everybody. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode one something. Yeah, one twenty one. There we go. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty special episode, Chad. Uh, it is indeed. We are talking with uh, tonight with the, the the face of Green Lantern in the '90s for the most part, uh, Daryl Banks, the artist uh, on Green Lantern. Hey, everybody. So, Daryl, you are um, let's see, fifty percent responsible for well, for me loving Green Lantern, really. Oh. Great. <laughs> If it wasn't for Daryl Banks, then uh, I probably – actually, no, I definitely wouldn't because uh, – and I guess to start us off, you had a well, you had a big hand in Emerald Twilight, right? I, first issue was actually uh, – well, it's kind of – sometimes, I don't know, because I'm getting old. My first issue was actually a cover to 48, but then in there was a, uh, a Green Lantern uh, – fill-in story with uh, Alan Scott, and so I, although I technically, I'm, I'm counting 48 as my introduction to doing GL stuff. Okay. I don't know if you remember Lantern Corps Quarterly, um, kind of like an annual, it was uh, an Alan Scott story, but it was around there, but I said my first uh, cover was issue 48, but my first interior was actually... Guys, you still there? Hello? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> okay. Just, just, just making sure. <laughs> hanging, hanging on your every word, Daryl. Um, <laughs> now, uh, okay. Emerald Twilight. Um, the well, first off, uh, Parallax, the character of Parallax. You, you are okay. actually the one that's responsible for naming that character. Yeah. Eventually, you know, they wanted. They had the, the framework of how, you know, it was going to happen, but what he looked like and what he was going to be called, well, actually, they, they had a name already. He was, he was Because they, DC owned the name Protector, I guess he was an old teen character and that wasn't being used, so they were going to call him that, but they wanted me to, uh, you know, to do the, uh, the redesign and all that. And I put a lot of work into it. I thought, I can't call this character the Protector. Not so much that that's a terrible name, but it just didn't fit. I mean, if you, the story, you know, you know, close your eyes and imagine, okay, and he's protecting what exactly? So, you know, uh, when I pitched the name Parallax, well, like so many things that were their idea initially, they didn't like it. So I had to actually write like a paragraph of, <laughs> I felt like I was, why I thought that was a good idea. And, uh, and they went with it. So, <laughs> for a name, that it's it's funny. For a name, they couldn't stand at first. You know, they even the creature in the movie was called. I'm like, ah, wow, the irony, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, and you said you you came up you came up with not only the name but the design of the character and and just you know just a quick sidetrack on my end of the thing. Um, what the, the the more recent incarnations of Hal Jordan artistically show him like all twisted mouth and sharp teeth and everything and every time I think of Parallax I think of your design of Parallax as being the one and not not this this newer stretched out creepy looking version I thought it was with the storyline in and of itself it made it creepy enough without having to add more to it. Well. There, I guess their thinking was it was that creature that that was inside the battery or whatever, and um, 
I, I look at it this way with with comics. There's always open for interpretation over the years. You know, it happens. But I just felt like if you blame it on a kind of lessen the impact. The whole thing was, you know, if, if you remember, he, he was just fed up. It was you know how how many of us have been in a situation where we get pushed too far and we snap. Well, that's what happened. But now that it's like, well, no, it was this creature in there that, that made him that way. You know, I mean, Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Skyver and all those involved did a good job. But like I said, I kind of thought it lessened it if, if you get to blame it on somebody else, not someone that just, you know, had had enough at a, in a particular situation. I think you just made a fan even more so in uh, Mr. Ford over here. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, the the initial story, um the the character of Parallax, I always, you know, that that's what I loved about that character. Like that's when I first started reading. And that drew me to the character of Hal Jordan more than any, any of the prior stories. So, you know, I I would definitely, you know, agree that I wouldn't feel that they needed to justify any anything else. But it's it's hard to to come down the new interpretation because you know wow I mean Jeff Johns and those guys they you know <laughs> it's amazing stuff but um, but like I said the main thing was well it, it reminds me of years ago there was a Superman story where he for the I guess for the protecting the planet he had made all these Superman duplicates and he was going to I guess take over the world to keep it but it ended up being you know, some villain that was behind it. I'm, I'm thinking, can he just make a mistake? Because, you know, maybe that, you know, uh, taking away freedom in order to protect is such a good idea. You know what I mean? Can it just be a a judgment call that, that went the wrong direction at one particular point in time? You know what I mean? So right. when you, we always have a secret villain in the background behind it, I don't know, it just kind of dulls it a little. Yeah, why do, why do our heroes have to be infallible? Right. Hey, if they can mess up, especially mess up superly, that just makes them right. more complicated and more interesting. And they can come back from what they did. I mean, Gene Gray trying to live down being the Phoenix, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, it, it happens, but just, I think, maybe uh, do it more often or, you know, I don't know. Like I said, when, whenever you're talking about <laughs> characters that have been around, wow, in some cases since the 30s, 40s, 60s, or what have you, over time they're just going to get reinterpreted, you know. Um, I don't really fall out of comics currently, but I can imagine, you know, I'm only hoping that at least Kyle Rayner is relatively the same, you know, from back when I was doing them, you know. At least he's still alive, and honestly, I'm shocked at that. I, I, I really thought so many of those characters that were what I call the, the uh, 90s replacements a lot of them are either dead or just falling into the obscurity. I'm glad that he's still around. Yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Kyle Rayner, uh, his design is so different from Hal Jordan's. I was wondering, like, how, like, how long did it take to arrive at that look, like the all-black suit with the metal touches and, like, more black than green and all that? That took a while. His costume, believe it or not, as simple as it ended up being, was harder to design Parallax. Parallax was was almost like done in really three stitches. Um, and really in some ways technically two. 
because uh, the third, I guess, version I count went with the cape because initially he wasn't going to have a cape, but when they just he was going to be a, a big factor in Zero Hour, they just felt he needed, you know, a, a cape for more drama, so they had me design a, you know, that, you know, cape of his. So uh, with Kyle, we there were so many. Now keep in mind, this is this is early mid '90s where image is just. All the rage. So my initial sketches for him, you know, he he looked like he would he would fit in the extreme oh, universe. And yeah, exactly. Um, some of those I had to post online. The, the designs that didn't make it, and a lot of it was even the designs that as of they would work, but they were just more detailed. My editor goes, "We want to keep it simple, and trust me, later on down the line, you will thank me." And he was a hundred and ten percent right. <laughs> Some of the design, like if I had to draw that over and over and over again, like wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they they were because his current costume, well, current costume, but his costume, you know, that he ended up with, it's actually a combination of several. You know, we'll take the mask from this one, the the boots and gauntlets from this one, the simplicity of the of the bodysuit of the, you know what I mean, and kind of put it together. The last thing was the logo. They wanted to keep the you know the the traditional Green Lantern look, and I thought, well, their their whole thing behind the costume, why it looked so different, they wanted something that looked completely different. And I thought, well, by by your uh, initial uh, ideas, you you wanted them to look. Why keep the same logo then? And so that's when I came up with you know the logo. He he had uh, split in half design logo because Kyle didn't say the. So I thought, well. I'll have it symbolized in his half and half brightest day blackest night logo. That's why it looks like that. And oh. so, uh, um, once again, just like I had to pitch parallax, I had to do sketches of that and you know put it on things and like imagine the different uses of, of it, you know. And you know, they eventually said, "Yeah, that'll work." So that's how he ended up. Now, what's funny is um, not so much the design that we knew what he was going to look like in black and white initially when we did come up, you know, we decided on the design. In my mind, I was thinking the parts that were black were going to be green, and the metallic parts would be light green. Was well, let's you know, let's keep it. And I'm kind of for some reason I kind of like that. Um, maybe because I'm just used. To, initially, yeah, it was going to be like dark green and light green, like shades of green. But I, I kind of like the green on the black because that's it. Kind of harkens to, you know, the traditional color scheme. So. Um, another thing people may or may not know is, well, one reason why the mask looks so weird is I, for reason, and it's true to this day, I love costumes that don't have noses on them. And if you ask me why, I don't know. The only thing I can give you is, growing up, I was a big fan of, of Marvel Sunfire, the X-Men character. Um, for some reason, that, that mask was just so out there. I'm like, wow, and he doesn't have a nose, kind of like Ultraman or something like that. So... I thought whatever this new Green Lantern is going to look like, you know, he's got to have some kind of mask where he doesn't have a real discernible nose. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's become affectionately known as the as, as the crab mask, as I understand it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's look, that's the story behind that. I'm looking at a picture of Kyle right now, and as soon as you say that, all I can see is Sunfire's face. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, some you know, 
I don't know. It's, there are those that love that uh, classic costume, those that hate it, but for some reason, it just, uh, I don't know, it just struck a chord like, wow, you know, this, that just, it's just really different. Especially when you think about when it came out. I mean, it was, I don't know, back in the early 70s, maybe late 60s, what have you, and you look at the cut or around, that was really different, you know. It doesn't come off as all that dated either. Like, his design, it's, it's simple and sleek enough that it, I, don't, I think it could still be viable today with, without anything major do, uh, done to it. Yeah, I think so. I think. One thing I'm surprised about is that uh, with there was a time when I had more like a, a traditional Green Lantern domino mask. I thought, yeah, get that mask. I understand. And then next, you know, he's got it back again. Uh, you know, new costume, but he's got the mask. And I thought, wow, that was shocking. Because I, I literally thought no one loved that mask. You know, it, it was a 90s thing and it's over with. But it's just, uh, it, it feels good to see that at least the part that I thought everybody hated is still around. Yeah, it's it's ingrained, ingrained itself as part of his character these days. Yeah. Well, they wanted unique, but, well, there it is. <laughs> now, I, I have a quick question. As far as the design of Kyle, um, later on, I don't think it was addressed early on, but I think much later in the stories, they established him as being, uh, like, strongly Hispanic um, in uh, in Heritage. Now, when you were designing... That was, uh... Uh-huh. Would, like, was, were that elements that you added in, you know, at the beginning? No. Uh, that when Winnick uh, had added that element. When Ron and I did it, he was Irish. Um, so... Uh, when Judd took it over, he you know he had a, a close friend that was Hispanic that passed away, and so you know Kyle became part of his family. Um, like I said, different interpretations over the years or what have you. Like I said, you know when when Kyle was created, he was you know he was Irish. Uh, as a matter of fact, what, he was this close to being called Kyle Cassidy. Um, we had like a list of, and we wanted some, some sort of alliteration, and then Ron got to thinking like, you know, maybe that's not necessary for every superhero, you know, Clark Kent, Peter Parker, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Latino heritage, that was added later. So you, 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 you did this character and, and this series and, and this, this whole universe for years, and uh, just, you know, taking us to nowadays, because obviously you're keeping up, um, you are also brought back to do one more story with the uh, with the uh, Green Lantern retrospect stuff. Now, tell us about that. How was how was that like jumping back into that world? That was uh, that was great because um, leaving comics was not something I wanted to do. It just literally the, the offers and calls stopped coming, and you know, with a family, I had to keep working. And fortunately, my background is in commercial art and design. So it's almost like I just went back to my home planet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but you know, when the, when I the opportunity to do the retro, it, it came at a at a point in time where I was extremely busy. So was Ron, but he was like, "We have to do this." You know, it's like Green Lantern '90s. Well, you know that you know it's almost like firemen. You know, you could be in the middle of something. Oh, that alarm went off. Oh, the '90s. So we're like, oh, "How are we going to make this work?" So. Um, we're both throwing things together, you know. Um, I often wonder, spontaneity a lot of times, as you know, as you know, can be helpful with being creative, to 
do it quick and on the spot and don't overthink things. But then there's a part of me that wished that kind of saw it coming, was able to really dig down deeper, you know what I mean? Cause essentially, it was just a long fight scene. And, you know, Ron and I, looking back on it, there's a lot of it would have liked to have done, but, you know, it really, uh, <laughs> we had to jump on it and jump on it quick, you know. Well, it was perfect because, I mean, a, a long fight scene, in a way, made it made it the better of the, the Green Lantern-specific retroactive stuff because it, when I was reading it, I was like, where, wait, this could almost fit in at a certain, like, any point in the series. Yeah, that's what we're kind so, of we're going for. Something that could, you know, it was around like, maybe shortly after his last, you know, uh, encounter with Effigy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was it was a very seamless transition, and and you know the art was it was just like I was picking up one of the old comics, you know, plus plus more. <laughs> Even on the old paper and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, that that see that was a that was a, always a, a nice touch I enjoyed about that the particular series is is it was on paper again, not glossy paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, always. The- a pleasure to work with Terry Austin. Now, I mean, I, I grew up on his work and just, you know, becoming fun of it's, you know, it, it's like being friends with a celebrity. Well, I mean, it is being friends with a celebrity. And it was literally getting the old band back together again. Now, um, with, uh, with the design of Parallax, um, that also kind of gave birth to the Sinestro core symbol. Um, which is, you know, the Sinestro Corps ring. It's appeared in the movie. Um, what's it like, you know, like, now obviously you, you know, you spent a lot of time, you know, coming up with the design and, you know, you put a lot of thought into it. But, you know, to then have that design, like, you know, extracted from your design. Well, now keep in mind the the parallax design with both that was Ethan Van Skyver. He didn't have the symbol when I was doing it. That was something that you know that uh, the, the, the design kind of evolved when he was working on it. So I, I, I got to assure you know that, you know that that was that was Ethan's design, uh, and it was great. Um, but when you saw parallax around that time, he kind of tweaked things here and there. But uh, still, it, it's just great. Well, number one, even though. There were thought the movie I, I thought could have been a lot better. It is great that we got a Green Lantern movie. Yeah. I mean, and keep in mind that it yeah. was one. I mean, uh, let's let's look at the first time we ever saw Batman or Superman for that. Or, you know, uh, it can only get better from here. I hope that you know we see a sequel where they can really you know take a, another look at what they can improve upon. Um, and now I mean, and then also as far as. Uh you know, like, merchandise and stuff like that. Like, back then, did you have, a like, an action figure of Parallax and an action figure of Kyle on your desk? That was, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I remember when the when Tell had, had done the uh, the Total Justice uh, figures and they came out with a, uh, a, oh, and a, uh, a Parallax from that line. Just before that had happened, uh, a friend of mine, Rich Fitt, was working on Steel at the time. He There was a Steel figure, and I thought, so many people I knew had figures of the characters they were working on. I thought, man, i you know, I got to have a figure of something I, that I'm doing. It's not something I designed, just something that I'm drawing in figure form, being a, an action figure fanatic. And uh, when those came out, yeah, they were 
they were on the desk, they were on whatever <laughs> followed me around, you know. <laughs> It's like Toy Story, like, you know, those things are alive. Every time we turn around, there they are. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, you got anything? Dan, are you still here? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, no, I'm still here, I'm still here. I accidentally hit mute, I was talking. (laughs) Um, so, how does, I mean, is it a little weird, or do you like the fact that here it is something like 15 years later, and, to an entire generation of comic fandom, you're kind of thought of as the Green Lantern artist. You know, your your work that you did almost a decade ago in a lot of people's eyes still defines, you know, you and your talent. Like, is it, is that a weird feeling? Is that something you like? I love it because I remember the road that got me there. I mean, uh, growing up, you know, loving comics and, you know, being in school saying, you know, could I possibly do this for a living and, li- you know, uh, living in Ohio that just didn't seem like that was going to happen. And uh, being able to uh, to see, you know, designs that I came up with, come up with action figures and seeing uh, ideas that even make it onto the screen. I mean, it's, 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 it's great. You know, I mean, a lot of times I'll be at a convention and someone goes, well, uh, when I was started cre- uh, collecting Green Lantern back in the '90s, that was when I first started collecting comics. So I'm like, that's a great feeling because I remember when I started collecting comics. Although you know, about Marvel stuff, but still, just that idea that I could inspire someone to to want to pick up. That's awesome. It's it's great to hear that you have you still have like positive reactions from fans of that work. Um, something else I was wondering, kind of in that vein, is. You know, especially back during the 90s when Emerald Twilight happened, I know there was a pretty large portion of fandom that for a while was kind of angry at Ron Mars for what happened with with the whole, uh, the whole shake-up with the Green Lantern franchise. And I don't think I've ever seen or heard of anybody like, extending that to you. Like, I've, did you ever have any kind of like negative experience with fans just being upset that you helped get rid of of Hal Jordan and replace him with Kyle Rayner or anything like that? No, and I I, I thought that was weird. I, I I thought, well, you know, it just seemed like there was so much anger towards Kevin, who was uh, Kevin Dooley, who was the editor, and to Ron. But I'm thinking, well, none of it seemed to be leveled at me. I'm like, well, I'm just a part, as much of a part of it as, as as they were. I mean, I didn't have any decision making power, but still. I mean, the club I think I got to, to anything like that was uh, the, uh, I don't know if you've heard of that, the Women in Fr- Refrigerators website or whatever, and it had that with, uh, with Kyle's yeah. girlfriend at the bridge and all that. And it, the, the banner of the web, that panel that I did, and even that's not aimed at me, it's still aimed at what happened, but I, <laughs> maybe I just, I was just viewed as, well, oh, he's just the hired help, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I get mad at him, you know. But no, I, I never really felt any of that stuff like they did. Uh, now, as as far as you know, uh, the artistic side as opposed to the writing side, um, Kyle Rayner is you know very very much at his core an artist, and right. like that was you know that was very much uh, you know picked up on in his constructs. Now. Like, how much input did you have on the constructs, you know, that Kyle was making? 
oh, that was they left it up to me. The only thing the editor always demanded, and it was it was a demand, but I wanted to do it anyway. He said, never make the same thing twice, meaning. Well, specifically, let's say, for example, he's going to always make a shield, but never make it the same shield. Was uh, a medieval shield uh, this issue, the next issue, it's an anime shield, and then after that it's a, maybe it's, I don't know, a letter or a logo. Just keep changing it so that, you know, reflecting his artistic creativity, which I love that challenge. It was one of those things where even if they didn't tell me to do that, I would want to do that, you know. And we got to do some crazy things. <laughs> now, um, and playing on that, you know, since you were never, you know, you, you never duplicated, um, like, did you have a list, or were you able to just remember all of them? No, I would just remember. I mean, um, of course, you know, for a lot of the, you know, situationally, it wouldn't call for using the exact same thing anyway. So it wasn't like I was ever stuck, like, oh, wait a minute, that's close to what he did before, you know. Usually, what was going on, it, it necessitated, you know, being a little bit different. Hmm. And and just, you know, as as a as a question, just generally about art and you know your your connection to it. Uh, you know, I, I my mind is more is more of the fiction, more the writing side. So it's hard for me to to sit here and understand, you know. I look at your credentials and, you know, it's, it's, you came up with a parallax design, you know, Graven and Fatality and, and all these other ones. And my mind just doesn't work like that. How do you, how do you, I mean, I'm seeing like on, on some, some websites uh, of your art commissions, you know, like Dawnstar and Ragman and just the, the touches you put in there. How does, how do you come up with these, these inspirations to not only, you know, pose them in a certain way, but then, take that and create a whole other character like take Hal Jordan and turn him into this because of this storyline like how you how does your mind work by going well he went through this so this particular element in this costume re- reflects that or does that even happen <laughs> really it just comes down to just enjoying what you do I mean with the designs it comes down to yeah I was thinking about it sense but also it's it's got a part of stuff I like for example when they or we want to design uh, Hal as his parallax character, they didn't have this uh, distinct way he's got to look like this. It was just something different where it looks like he's changed. I hope, one, I'm a big fan of armor. Uh, growing up on you know on Iron Man, or I'm like, well, automatically he's getting some kind of armor, so that's a given. I mean, you know, if if you don't want armor, don't come to me. That was my thing to this day, really. And so I wanted something that felt a little like. Uh, like night in a way. No, he was uh, kind of in a in a gray kind of not really necessarily a good. I wanted the design to look like he could become good again. Because actually, initially that was the plan. You know, Hal would you know, become parallax and he would come back full circle. He'd be Green Lantern again, and we restart the core. It's almost like because now keep in mind when Ron and I were doing this, no one cared about Green Lantern. It was up for cancellation. And so we were given, you know, this almost a blank check because <laughs> the company really wasn't that high on the character at that time. That's why we were able to do some wild things, you know. But then uh, it developed a following, and then the, the, the company was a little bit more hands-on, you know. So uh, next thing you know, we've got the Zero Hour, and you've got uh, Hal uh, as Parallax reigniting the sun and it kills him. 
And the people were like, oh, Ron, the old barrel axe. You know, no, he didn't. Carl Kiesel did that. That was not what Ron wanted to do. But like I said, we planned on returning him to be Green Lantern and restarting the core. But DC had other plans. They can do that. They own the character. So, um, But when it comes to the times like, let's say, Fatality, um, literally all, all they want was a Green Lantern hunter. That was female. That's all they said. And I said, well, um, one, can I make her black? Sure. Can I make her, uh, can I give her, like, big ear and spear? Like, yeah, why? Because uh, Spawn's uh, foe Angela has that. <laughs> Remember, this is the 90s, so, you know, that was really huge. I'm like, okay, so, you know, we've got a, an Ange- a black Angela <laughs> kind of a thing going on with, with Fatality. Okay, fine. Now, actually, initially, her designs changed, changed a lot because, the planet that she's from, I forgot they had pointed ears, so that was one of the last things we, we added. Well, if she's from Zanshi, you know, she's got to have the pointed ears. Like, oh, okay, forgot about that. So, um, I think she, she went through a lot of name changes also. I think, what was I going to call her initially? Something military-sounding, because her, her was a hundred, but I thought, well, she's had military training. But it was it was names that really didn't have a good to it in the... I think I was playing a lot of Mortal Kombat at the time. So, well, how about fatality? <laughs> <laughs> and you you you're talking about how like you know, you had plans to go elsewhere with the storyline, but when we were talking about Emerald Twilight, you 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 at the time had knew that Zero Hour was coming up. So if well, if if ha- okay, no, you go ahead. If Hal Jordan was you know ended up destroying the core. For one, just just for starters, and then would come up later to come up with a storyline in which he was planning on pretty much destroying and recreating the universe. How how in the world did you guys come hope to redeem this character? <laughs> Good question. And of course, we never got to find out that it didn't go that way. But maybe somehow, you know, one of those things where he realized the mistake he made. I, I don't know. That, no, that was you'd have to ask Ron Mars about how he would uh, redeem it. But you know that is that we we wanted mainly we put him through all that because we we actually because we liked Hal. But then the problem is we hated that he was really such a D-list character. I thought this guy should be right up there with you know with the Flash and Superman and Batman was our was our thing. You know, um, so how can we make him more interesting? And or essentially, how can we make people remember this was this was early '90s? Nobody cared about Hal Jordan. He was he was that guy from the Super Friends. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, he he you know we put him through the and then people cared. Now, it's funny how even characters like uh, Alex, you know, his first girlfriend that that died. We actually, I mean, according to Kevin, our our editor, we got more letters about Alex dying than Hal becoming Parallax initially. And this is the character she was. She was in what all three issues of that. She was. I hate to say it, but she was created essentially to be Kyle's Uncle Ben. You know, like Uncle Ben was the Peter Parker, something that would hasn't realized to take what he's become seriously and you know to have a different outlook. Uncle's that, but boy, we we were surprised that the fans really uh, took her. <laughs> I, I, I now that one I give to Ron is that well, you fleshed out this character in a hurry because. <laughs> you know, he really wasn't designed to be a long-term character at all. You know. Well, you, when you when you stuff a girl in a refrigerator, it it, it tends to resonate with people. <laughs> yeah. 
don't know. Are you familiar with the story behind um, how that came to be? Was and actually the page that that happened has two different versions. The initial version was you see all the shelves in the the, the, the fridge is open, completely open. All the shelves are smashed, and she's just laying in there. And DC decided, no, you know, we don't want to show that. We're going to, uh, uh, we're going to have uh, staff artists put a, you know, close the door, uh, almost closed, so you can only kind of see in there. Well, I don't know about you, but I look at my fridge. I can't picture anyone fitting in there. So the first thing I thought was seeing a partially open fridge is in pieces in there, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so their their attempt to censor it made it worse, you know. I'm like, because my original version of how I drawn it. You know, you could. She was all. She was intact. <laughs> you know, but they they made it so that okay, we're gonna put this. You know, we're gonna close the door. So now it looks like oh, they, you know, major force killed her and cut little pieces and put her on the shelves in the fridge. I thought, oh, that was that. What were they thinking? Oh wow. Man. Now I'm like I'm liking this background info you're giving us here. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Now, she was designed to be Kyle's Uncle Ben, but, you know, eventually, yeah. Yeah, eventually though, you know, he he kind of, you know, he came into his own. Do you think that, like, you know, because in, in Marvel Comics, you know, they always say, well, they used to always say that the only two people that you never bring back are Bucky and Uncle Ben, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> didn't really work out too well. But, uh, right. you know, do you think that, you know, do you think it really would have damaged Kyle if they decided later on to somehow bring her back? I don't think it would hurt, but honestly, I, I can't think of a scenario where that would even be necessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, I think, never had any other love interest in the course of the series. Maybe bringing her back with impact, but um, having been uh, aligned with both Donna Troy and, and Jade, I don't know, her, her showing up would kind of be like, that's another one. You know, even though she was the first in the story, I, I don't, you know, because she doesn't have a, a long history in the or any history in the DC universe, you know what I mean? Um, which is odd because initially uh, Ron and I thought about having uh, Kaja together from the beginning. And, uh, you know, we, we pitched it and we're like, no, no, we're going to have uh, Kyle Donna Troy. And we were thinking, well, we don't control the Titans office, you know, we we need to make sure we have things only related to Green Lantern, that way we don't have the, that character's editor. So, you know, it's ironic that she, you know, they eventually got to, initially, they're like, no, you know, we're going to, you know, he, he's going to be with Don. Which ultimately, I think, worked out because it, it made for an interesting triangle down the road. But as far as having Alex return, um, I don't know. I, would it be like a, a thing where Alex, who? Oh, yeah, the, the girl in the fridge. You know, I don't know if it would have the same impact because you know, with Don Troy and and Jay both have a long history with the company, whereas Alex didn't. Now you you you've been saying throughout the interview that you you know, you you're you're aware of what Jeff Johns and and Van Skyver have done and and have, are continuing to do with the new 52 and stuff which is interesting to me because at least as far as the some of the writers we've talked to or I've talked to personally uh, like Denny O'Neill and uh Marv Wolfman have both said to something to the effect of once we're done with a character 
we try not to uh, read that character in, in a different interpretation because in their mind, the story has been told and that's all, you know, and, and it's been told in the way that they envision the character and anything else, it just drives them crazy and they don't want to, you know, disrespect someone else's work. So they, they kind of go shy away from it, or at least that's the, the gist of what they said. But you, as an artist, have a different have a, have a different approach, and you, and you still pay attention. Do you still get any any of that? Oh, they're not doing it right, kind of stuff. No, I, mainly because I, I feel I'm often minded. I don't own the characters. You know, when I see things that are kind of odd or what have you, I'm like, okay. And actually, Ron and I had that had that talk. I, I can't remember what it was specifically, but he just said, you know what, you know, we, uh, you know. We we got to rent it, but we never got to own them. You know, it was like a lease. You got to give it back. You know, uh, even though you know we had, a, you know, we were able to create some things, but still, the copyright belongs to you know DC Comics slash Time Warner. So, you know, it it belongs. You know, so um, the, the key thing is that I, I'm enjoying the fact that, that Green Lantern uh, is a big deal. You know, our mission was pushed to, to make Green Lantern more of a, fr- a franchise player than he was when we were doing um, and having I mean it was it was great seeing you know keep in mind when we were doing it it, it wasn't a big deal but to see people like Carlos Pacheco who used to do X-Men and all you know big heavy hitters working on Green Lantern is kind of like alright mission accomplished because when I was in high school when uh, Frank Miller took over Daredevil you know before he came out of Daredevil just eh, he was just kind of there and then you know he you know, Frank Miller's uh, Daredevil stuff, I mean, if you're not familiar with it, was groundbreaking and just amazing. I thought, I want to I be a part of something that people don't really care about until, and be up on the ground floor of a, of a big change. Well, you know, not quite on the level of Daredevil, but, you know, I, I felt that you know, Kyle was pretty close, you know. Yeah, I, I, oh, I would agree with I that. Yeah, none of us would, would, would uh, decry that yeah. one. <laughs> Yeah, when it comes down to, I'm a Green Lantern fan. I'm not much of a Daredevil fan. <laughs> I think I think the fact that you guys created a new main character helped too, because like I remember reading those Kyle issues as they came out. There was in my head like the character was always in more danger because it was not Hal Jordan. Because in the back of my mind, I'm going, well, maybe he could die this issue because they, they got rid of the last guy. Why not get rid of this guy at any time? So that, like, I'm glad that didn't happen. But it kind of enhanced the experience of the stories for me too. We really, what we wanted to do was we wanted to put the reader in the. I mean, Hal was is sort of like the kind of the kind of he we wish we could be. Whereas Kyle feels like you know. You know, the reader goes, that could be me. You know, he, he wasn't perfect. He was learning as he went along, uh, made some mistakes, but, you know, essentially, you know, did pretty good for himself. And uh, I think that kind of, that's maybe, that's probably the charm of the character, that he's kind of the everyman, uh, maybe above average, but still he wasn't iconic, you know, like a Hal Jordan, the greatest of the Green Lanterns, you know. And he enjoyed doing it. It was like, imagine if you had a power ring and you could just start making stuff. I mean, it would be like, oh, how cool is this? You know, we wanted to transfer that kind of experience. Absolutely. Now, now something, 
we on the show like, and I just I just thought of this because I'm not I'm not quite sure if you if I specifically remember seeing any of this in your artwork, but when when we're going through, um, you know, at least to uh, some of some of the more current issues, we we see little nods to things in the art, like uh, you know, well, you know, Easter eggs uh, that either hint at future storylines or just pay homage to past storylines. Do you do you remember doing anything of, of of that sort or incorporating anything that maybe not uh you know directly related to a different storyline but something in your personal life that you just kind of threw in there just just for your own edification that nobody really knows about? I always do that. I always do that. I mean, a lot of times they're in jokes even to myself. Sometimes I've literally, you know, it's not something that no one else but me would even get. I I love putting stuff that. You know, maybe someone will recognize. And it all started with first came to the company. I, I did some films for Legion of Superheroes, and uh, being a big pro wrestling fan, I, I put a, a, a wrestler in a background of, of it was an alien planet. They figured, well, the guy, uh, the wrestler's name was Big Van Vader. I thought I'm going to put Big Van Vader in a crowd scene, and no one will know who that is. Ha ha ha. And I get a call from my assistant editor, and everyone knows it. I'm thinking, there's no way. How would you know? I mean, a whole code. They're like, how would you know who that is? He said, this is New York. Madison Square Garden is down right down the street. You know, we know a little bit about wrestling. And then, of course, we found out huge wrestling fans. And then I thought, okay, I, I, this is going to be fun trying to what I could put in that won't get recognized. But usually someone picks things up. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe... In the background, uh, Kyle will have an action figure of uh, what was Oh, I had Golden Pharaoh of uh, the superpowers uh, <laughs> action for self. What, little stuff like that. Or maybe I'll have, uh, I don't know, maybe an address or something. It's like, well, this is, you know, an address of a friend of mine. Or just things that kind of pop into my head. You know. But yeah, I love Easter eggs. Still do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Gonna have to go back and reread all my past comics. Keep a list, Jim. Yeah, really. Well, that was that was definitely at a time where I was not picking up on Easter eggs like at all. Oh man, now I got homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, it started really probably with the wrestling thing because in Green Fifty, the the climactic fight with uh, Hal and Sinestro. I, it was a, a two-page sequence. I thought I was going to have to redraw. I had Hal put the, you know, the T on him, and then the, put the boss and grab, and then, uh, and then the sleeper hold him. They're not going to go for any of this stuff. But I, I did it just to see what would happen, and it, <laughs> it stayed there. I'm like, wow! I, I, just, I honestly didn't think that was going to that was going to go over. So it wasn't a battle. It was a rest. It was a wrestling match to the finish. It was, it was a death. Except it really wasn't it. <laughs> now, my goal wasn't to make it silly. My goal was just r- really just a different fight scene. I mean, to me, too many comic fight scenes look the same. And I thought, well, I want some more hands-on type of thing. I mean, if, if I were doing comics now, I'd probably have more, maybe like an MMA, UFC kind of a thing, more grappling and, and you know, something more hands-on, not the usual Giants sidekick and big roundhouse punch that we see all the time, you know. Right, and, and you, right, you you got Hal going nuts, but what's what's cool is you know even though he's got 
power or the ring or whatever. It's just this. It it comes down to to fisting, you know, just just <laughs> fist going back back and forth and then into each other's face, and then and then cracking someone's neck as opposed to blowing them away. Well, in the fight, they had they had reached such a stalemate with their powers and their intense hate for each other. They just kind of devolved into this animal type of you know just at each other's throat. And like I said, I'm not saying that that's never been done before, but I thought, let me uh, show weapons in a little bit of a different way. I mean, certainly we've seen, you know, Batman go at it with someone uh, close. Like I said, it, it tends to look the same, you know. Um, the time where Kyle would create... You know, actually, I mentioned earlier about never creating the same thing twice. There was an exception. Kyle would make this... Uh, he had these two different like suits that he would make for himself. One looked like a big muscular ape, and the other one was kind of like this mech suit. Those we can do more than once, uh, as long as you know he did things differently while in the you know in that particular suit or what have you. One uh, I call it the ultimate warrior because he long hair, and he had uh, put the sharpshooter on this alien once, and uh, that was fun. You know that that sort of thing. And then the other, the mech suit, he didn't really do a whole lot of hands-on, but he would, uh, since it was more angular and robotic, he would maybe grow a particular weapon out of an arm set. But the key was, you know, offer something different, make it something creative. You know, uh, that's one thing that growing up, I, I wasn't really into Green Lantern as a character, but I loved the concept of being able to make things you think. Um, I had a sketchbook full of things. That if I had the Green Lantern ring, this is what I make. I wouldn't make a a, a mousetrap. Wouldn't make a vacuum sweeper. You know, I'd be making uh, robots and cannons and things like that. You know, never knowing I'd get a chance to do that. <laughs> Hopefully, people like it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the character of Kyle Rayner is the perfect conduit for that. Like he's an artist. He's as much. You know, he should be doing that stuff as much as his ring should be. So he seems he's the perfect character to play with that. Idea. Yeah. The interesting thing is actually him being an artist wasn't my idea. That was that was something they really had in mind uh, initially. And of course, <laughs> obviously I agreed. Uh, but yeah, it made sense. I mean, I loved. It was a, a panel once where uh, Kyle on monitor duty. Um, I think he was with the Team Titans at the time, and he was bored. And he created the book and a pencil, and it was just sketching. And I thought, wow, you know, you never run out of ice. The, the pencil would never need sharpening, or the brush would never run out of ink, you know. Sometimes little moments like that are some of my favorites to do. Um, I mean, uh, what you call it? I think uh, <laughs> we, we would be doing everybody a great disservice if we didn't ask you about Kyle's uh, power battery. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, the, the weird battery. Yeah. Um, now... <laughs> Just like his tomb had a lot of different sketches before you arrived at it, the same with the battery. I mean, uh, Kevin was like, we, we want to redesign the battery, you know, something different um, than the traditional lantern battery, go. So, you know, I, I tried a lot of different things. And uh, honestly, I didn't really, the, the shape is more like a weird reinterpretation of his logo. You know, if you kind of look at the circular uh, repeated shapes, you know. Um, that's pretty much really all the story in that. <laughs> well, I, I I did have a question, you know, just kind of offshoot. 
you I, I just I, you know, I was just uh, surfing through the internet and I, I found out that you uh, worked on uh, uh, or remembered that you worked on Greenland and in Silver Surfer. Oh yeah, oh man, uh, yeah, that's one uh, of my uh, favorite projects of all. And what's funny is I can remember that because I remember this. I remember the the, the story uh, very well, but I remember thinking, just looking at the art, and you know, I'm I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, still reading that book and going, man, the artist is having an ass ton of fun in this book. <laughs> you correct. You are absolutely correct. I remember uh, the the most the, the part that jumped the most was uh, Green uh, was a Silver Surfer retelling his or wasn't supposed to be in there. I literally harassed Ron to have that. I said, you got to let me draw the lack. Of, this is probably my only shot to draw the lack of. <laughs> You, you, you gotta, you gotta, well, it's not really, no, come on, I mean, it, it just was not, he was like, okay, you know, and, uh, it was, it was one of those things where I, I did it, I got to draw the last question, you know, <laughs> I, I've never, I've never done it again, but that was, that was fun, that was fun, and it, I mean, that was a just, it was just a fun project, and I'm like, wow, you know, Green Lantern, Silver Server, and it kind of kicked off that Marvel DC, uh, uh, company-wide crossover, which I, I don't even think, I don't even know if we were aware they were going to do that uh, <laughs> as far as a, a company-wide crossover. I mean, they had talked about some other things, and I think uh, there may have been a, a couple of, well, of course, you know, you had Superman versus Spider-Man done back in the 70s, but when we just, it was almost like a part of a precursor of, uh, of that particular company crossover, which I thought was great, you know. You you were talking about you know begging begging Ron to to put in Galactus and stuff. You, it seems like you know at, at least at, at the very least between you and Ron, uh, you guys are pretty tight knit. And, and we've we've talked to you know a couple of writers and stuff. But how 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 are you specifically like how do, how do you work with with your writers? Is is there a certain dynamic and a certain certain thing you you have to have there before you go forward, or is it just you know a job's a job? Ron and I had a u- very unique relationship, and I think it has to do with Ron grew up a- around, well, not so much grew up as a child, but as a professional, uh, where he lived in upstate New York was a mecca of artists. I mean, you had Jim Starlin, Bernie Wrights, and Terry Austin. He was around artists, so he's a writer, but he thinks very visually, and because of that, you know, when he was he was writing, it balanced a lot of ideas off of me. Now, he didn't have to, but he did. And uh, really, the only writer I can think of that ever came close to that was uh, Mark Ellis, one of the first uh, writers I ever worked with when I was in the Independence. But um, Ron and I, we had a great chemistry, I felt, because he thinks very visually. And a lot of times, even in the script, you go, and this shall rule. He's not trying to sound intelligent. He's thinking, what's going to look cool on the page and good story, you know? And uh, that was great. I mean, we just really had a, a great chemistry there. Uh, Daryl, if uh, yeah. if you could, you know, tackle a, uh, a a Marvel character, you know, like they wanted you to do a, a series for Marvel. Um, now, you know, granted, you already got to do Silver Surfer and you got your Galactus, but uh, what are some other things, you know, that you would, you know, want to want to work on? I got into comics to draw the event. 
that's that's what got me interested in, in drawing comics. Period. I, it's like I, I won't write. I get it at least a feeling there's something. I had a shot once, but it was during the time I was in feelings for Justice League, and uh, you know it was. I guess that was a one-time offer. It never came up again. But um, if I could, if I could draw something for Marvel, it would be uh, probably in this order: uh, Avengers, uh, Nova, or and 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 the third one, the Century. The Century, mainly because the Century was a missed opportunity. It, especially now with what's going on with with the changes with Superman Fifty Two. I think there are things with the Century that people would probably would love to do with Superman, but for whatever strengths couldn't. Um, now, granted, Marvel already has a ton of. Superman ripoff character. Let's be honest. Gladiator actually is Superman. I mean, it's kind of like wink, wink. You know, the Imperial Guard is the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> We've got Hyperion. We've got. Uh, oh, I'm probably just a few. But Sentry was. It was. He was just kind of weird enough where I felt there was a lot of potential, but because of how he got bounced around between writers and his character was never really fleshed out, he became irritating. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean. He, he, so I thought, what a perfect blank slate, you know. Uh, let's flesh out his powers. Let's, uh, you know, let's take a second look. I, I really love to. I mean, I'm, I'm not really a writer, but I have a lot of ideas. That I've, you know, written down things I've pitched at some point, maybe, you know. But, um, but I would say those are my top three things I would love to do for Marvel if I could. Now, of course, if they said, hey, we want you to do that, well, you know, of course I would, <laughs> I would jump on that too. But I'm thinking about characters I have ideas for, you know, something I felt that I could contribute. Nova, the reason he's on my list is, um, if, if you look at it, his origin is Green Lantern. <laughs> you know, dying alien gives kids, uh, you know, gives somebody powers. Like, I mean, you know, Roman Day, uh, that alien is Abensur. I mean, you know, it's like, come on. Yeah. So, um, and, there, and there's a Nova core, so. If uh, Marvel and DC could, could get along, it'd be great to, you know, Green Lantern Corps, Nova Corps, kind of a crossover or something. <laughs> Especially with the you know, Red Lanterns, you know, uh, all the others. I can just imagine it, you know. Picture a cover, Sinestro's got Richard Ryder by the throat, and, you know, here comes Kyle, you know, you know, surging towards him or something. I just, man, imagine Thanos and Sinestro working together or something like that. There's, there's so many possibilities there. Yeah, I, I want to read that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, and there's something, you know, just kind of you know, apart from all this, I just uh, over the past few years, we've 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 lost a lot of creators and 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 it's inspired me to 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 kind of connect and and try and learn all the history I can but firsthand, uh, you know, in, in any capacity. And and something I, I, I always, I whether it's on this show or whether it's just personally at a con or something, I always wonder is, do you have any stories of, of working in the industry in the heat of everything? I mean, 90s, 90s DC is, you know, full of good and bad. Uh, so, you know, be, being within the thick of it, is, is there anything that you just a story or a, a meeting or whether you had lunch with a colleague or something that just sticks out in your mind as being, you know, whether, whether it'd be great or just, wow, I can't believe I'm here or, or anything like that. Just, uh, or, or on the ground floor of something we as comic fans consider historic. I mean, just 
what what was it like to be uh, a, a comic artist in in a in an industry where it was it was you know you you were working on a property that was at the time being considered for being canceled, but you brought it back and just your experiences in that industry. Um, there's quite a few. I, I don't think there are any that were super dramatic, but I just remember, you know, uh, raised Columbus, Ohio, you know, working on Green Lantern enabled me to travel and which I've never been able to do. And so, uh, seeing New York city for the first time, is mind blowing. I I literally remember Ron Mars warning me because walking around with my jaw hanging down, staring upward. He said, "Don't do that. Don't do that. That's dangerous. Get you a, a target for a pickpocket or something. You know, don't look like a tourist." But it's it's hard not to to have seen buildings that literally are so tall they disappeared in the clouds. You know, I've seen it on TV, but to see Times Square all lit up at night. Right there, not on TV, but right there, it was, you know, it was awe-inspiring. Um, being able to go to the the D.C. office, and I mean, it, it, I don't know what it looks like now at the time. It looked like a theme park. I mean, they had uh, murals and, and mannequins. And it was just like, wow. Of course, I also went to the Marvel office and <laughs> apologized. He said, have you been to the D.C. office? Well, yes, yeah, well... Marvel just, it looked like, you know, like any other office with some, you know, Marvel posters, but they didn't have all the themed decorations and all that kind of bells and whistles. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry, Marvel, you just don't measure up. (laughs) (laughs) But see, but keep in mind, growing up Marvel, it was, it still had the same impact, you know, uh, because I was there, You, you know what I mean? It was... It's not so much like, oh, this is lame. It's more like, no, it's still awesome. Now, granted, you know, it, it wasn't uh, as far as what it looked like. It wasn't something, but it's what it meant to me. Personally, it still had the same impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, especially to go there, and I actually had on on index cards, like going to introduce myself because I was I was there. Uh, I had a Ron, and I had a. It was actually it was myself, uh, Ron. Uh, Terry Austin and Paul Pelletier, uh, we had a, a convention in Boston. And uh, Boston, of course, ran right away from New York, so you know, we got a chance to, you know, I got the a chance to uh, you know, go into the city. And so while I was at D.C., you know, I was curious, well, how far away is Marvel? And they're like, oh, it's walking distance, you know. Um, so I thought, I think I'll, I think I'll just go and introduce myself. And of course, I planned on doing that anyway, but... I, I was just—I I didn't know. So, I, I get there and I had—I got my portfolio, got my index cards. You know, I went to meet with somebody, and I, I walk in the door. Hey, it's Daryl Banks, and I'm thinking, is there another Daryl Banks? Like, how could that? Like, how? There's no way that I've never done anything for them. But I guess you know they knew you know, Green Lantern. I guess had gotten around. So, uh, that was a great feeling, you know. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> And, and not to mention, we could cut Marvel some slack because DC's been around longer. Right, right. <laughs> Chad, how much, how much more do you want your first New York trip now? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, Daryl, I'm, I'm in Austin, Texas, and, and um, I, I kind of grew up wanting to be a journalist. Um, so uh-huh. 
it's always been in my mind that, that New York City is 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 where I want to go. People go, you know, I, oh, my dream vacation is to go to New Zealand or do this or do that, and I'm like, I just want to go to New York City for a week and do everything I can. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, you know, keep in mind, I, I would imagine it's, it's different for you know, this was what '96 or so, but one of the first things that jumped out at me when I was you know going you know walking down the street was how clean it was. I guess in my head. I'm thinking of movies and comics where there's just knocked over trash cans and like bums and alleys and all that kind of stuff where, you know, you picture, okay, Spider-Man will swing down. I mean, it's just that gritty kind of, I'm like, well, not, not in Manhattan. I mean, maybe certain boroughs possibly, but, you know, where, you know, around the Times Square or, uh, you know, Broadway or what have you not, it was clean as a whistle. Um, now, at the time, I was told that the mayor was undergoing some kind of project, you know, to keep it that way. So I, I don't know if my my vision of it was actually accurate at one point, but I just I happened to come there when everything was on its best behavior, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that was right around the time that Disney like was uh was the driving force behind cleaning up Times Square because they wanted like the theaters for. Uh, the Disney Broadway shows. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, because going. Sorry, go ahead, Jim. Oh no, that was that was about the first couple of times that I uh, started, you know, was able to actually go into the city by myself, uh, not by myself, but you know, with friends. I was just out of high school. Uh, did actually getting to go to New York? Changed the way that you approached drawing it after you had been able to actually be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner was set up in the city. I mean, it was it was great. for some reason. I it, it was more like a, a, a personal experience, but I think how I drew it, I, I can't really say that it affected it. But it's just more like it hit home to be able to draw something. Goes, you know, I saw that. You know, there was a a, a cover. What is an issue with the Christmas issue? With uh, when Kyle was fighting Dr. Polaris uh, in Rockefeller Center, and I'm going, yeah, I, yeah, I saw that, you know, saw the big golden uh, statue. I don't know who that is, Apollo or whoever that is. Um, and it was, you know, it was great. It, it, but I, I don't know if it would affect it. But it's more like a, a recognition kind of a thing. That that would probably also help if you had to write, you know, draw Shazam. Oh yeah, but you know, <laughs> so let, let let me say that it wasn't just like it wasn't just the the fact that um, that I got to do it. It was it was like an honor because literally they could have picked anybody to do that to work on the lantern. But I was I was glad that I was there when this happened. What's funny is when I first came on the book, I came with the idea I'd be doing Hal, and they were like, "We've got good news and bad news." And I'm like, "What?" Well, you know, Hal, as you know, him is going to, and I'm thinking, "Oh man, you know," because um, at the time, you know, keep in mind, you know, you had changes in Marvel and DC, and the image coming in, and so many things getting changed. I thought, "Oh, not good to do," you know. And then I remember the editor going, "Yeah, but you'll be thankful you're in the ground floor of this. Trust me." And he, he was right. Were you familiar with the uh, like the way the story was originally supposed to go? The uh, original Jerry Jones uh, idea. Yeah. yeah they, they actually, I had penciled 
what was it, seven, eight pages. Uh, I don't know if you've seen in my Make Art Fans Gallery, I actually posted some of them. Um, there was actually maybe two, three different angles they were going to go with, and then the one they originally settled on when I started working on it, then they were like, no, no, never mind, never mind, we're, we're, you know, we're taking it back to formula, um, which is, you know, what we ended up with. But yeah, there was, I, I don't think I ever even got a chance to talk to Jerry. If, if, if I did, it may have been only a minute or so, but, um, yeah, it went uh, direction. I remember one of them was it was going to be more than one lantern uh, filling in for Hal. Uh, one of them was it was like a ring that had created a body for itself or something, which kind of sounded interesting, but then they had other things going at the same time. It was like, oh, that's, this is going to be a little bit complicated. We need to, you know, simplify it. And of course, they did. And then, you know, they brought Ron in. One of the ideas was going to be like a sentient Green Lantern ring doing it on its own? Something like that. I mean, I'm sure it was probably more... This, this was 1994 or whatever, and it was something I read maybe once, but I just wrote something about at one point they thought about... Well, you know, rings kind of have an artificial intelligence to a small degree anyway. Right. So I, I thought... I think the idea was something happened to this ring and it, it enhanced to it. It was completely independent or something you know actually i don't think that's the the worst idea in the world but the, i think the problem was there were other things going on that you didn't get a chance to focus on that you, you, you know what i mean right uh, but uh there's probably elements i'm forgetting but they were they were different treatments and like i said one of them i actually started working on until they decided to take it in another direction so I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a, an interesting concept. I mean, basically, one of the ideas that they were kicking around was a variation of what they had done for Superman, bringing in, like, the four different Superman kind of thing. Oh, really? Okay, I, possibly. I, I don't, like I said, I, I read some of the, the original ideas, like, maybe once. Right, right, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, no, no, I had never heard of that, so that's that's very interesting. I just finished Green Lantern Mosaic, and that definitely sounds like a Gerard Jones kind of idea that I would have loved to see him play with. <laughs> Watch your tongue. I'm glad that we got what we got. <laughs> yeah, so am I, so am I, but, you know, you got to wonder, what could have been? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, I would read a novel about that. <laughs> You'll have Maybe it from the like an Elseworlds story where they could they could revisit, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Does these Elseworlds anymore? I think that's something that kind of. Well, they we we've been covering Elseworlds, at least Green Lantern related Elseworlds on the show occasionally, and uh, the most recent Elseworlds story they did was like something about what if um, instead of just Kal El crashing to Earth, it was as as it was Jor El and Laura with him. So it was kind of that storyline. They did a three issue oh. series on that. It was really good. I mean, I liked. It. Green Lantern part in there too, uh, just in like the last issue. But I don't know, man. I think they're I think they're just trying to they're trying to bring it back, but they're not quite sure if they want to put the money behind it. So, last year, right? What if what what if things to um, they're great? I mean, of course, I, I remember when Marvel had the book. What if? I mean, as we speak, I have a Watcher action figure on my shelf, right right next to where I'm sitting. I love to <laughs> explore possibilities. 
you know, that maybe wouldn't fit in continuity, you know. Well, it, I mean, it, it's and there's there's not just the Elseworlds. I mean, it, it, when you say Elseworlds, some people cross it over with the multiverse concept. But you know, with the new Fifty Two, they're also bringing back the the Justice Society, and they're doing a whole uh, series called Earth Two. So, right. I've seen some of the costume designs uh, for that. And actually, I, I kind of like it. Yeah. But like I said, I'm not all that familiar with with the new Fifty Two universe. What's different what's what's the same certain things sound completely different and i thought okay well the verse there's probably no kyle rayner like no he's he's around like well wait a minute i thought i in just like people don't even know that man is like oh it's some kind of urban legend so i'm, I'm kind of confused like, maybe i need to read it i don't know i'm like oh oh yeah i thought they were like a, a reboot but, a lot of things didn't happen well, you definitely need to read Justice League and Aquaman, but the thing with with Justice League uh, currently, at least, is that uh, the the story, the the first to six issue story in Justice League, takes place basically quote unquote five years from now or f- five years before the current time in the, in the DCU, so it's basically okay. the joining up. So at at this point in time, Batman is still not quite sure if he exists. He's working in shadows, kind of a thing. So. Uh, oh, okay. Daryl, um, you know, we don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, just uh, to kind of bring things full circle, as far as you had said that when you were designing Kyle, like they told you, you know, you know make it a little more simple because you know you'll thank them later. Um, right. Now with the the new Fifty Two, uh, Jim Lee went through design, redesigned, you know, a whole bunch of characters and designs. And the thing that I, you know, picked up on, I mean, I like the costumes, but the thing that I noticed is that a lot of them have, like, extra lines and ridges and recessed lines and stuff like that. Um, do you think they're going to regret stuff like that later? Well, I think the costumes look great when he draws them, but sometimes when I see them, other artists draw his designs, it feels real, wow, that, that's, that feels extraneous. The reason I think they're doing that it's a prediction I had made about two years ago when superhero movies were really, it just seemed like they're going to always dominate the box office and the costumes are always going to have more textured, armored kind of feel. I remember, I, I mean, I would start to sketch different interpretations of, okay, well, this would be the movie version of this character, that character. I think that's kind of the idea behind it, but the problem is they're still adding all the anatomy in, in, in addition to that, and it's making it feel kind of busy. I think, like, look at uh, Batman's, like, the Dark Knight costume. It doesn't have traditional musculature, you know, in it. It's it's like like armor, you know, even though it's not like Iron Man. But you, you know what I'm saying? It's like a, you can tell it's it's a suit, you know. Yeah. Uh, sort of like uh, the Smallville episode with, uh, with Dr. Fate. You know, Dr. Fate had a suit, but it, it wasn't, it didn't have defined, you know, padded muscles, but then it was armored. It's more like, just it feels like it's a, it's a material that's got some density to it. You follow what I'm saying? So I think that's kind of the was the mindset behind it, but they haven't, they need to take it another step so it doesn't feel like, oh, it's just like a Superman costume and put all these lines on it. You, you follow them? Yeah. It's like, imagine something like a version of these characters and, you know, go straight that direction and not still adding all the all the muscle striations on top of that because I think it's just making it feel like this seems unnecessary, you know, like do one or the other, you know. Right. Makes a lot of sense. 
guys oh, listen, before, before we let you go now, I just wanted to say thank you for everything you did to contribute to Green Lantern Comics. And growing oh. up, you, you were the first comic artist whose name I learned. Because really? for a good... <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, for a good while there, like, any time I picked up an issue for, it seemed like, years, it was always, like, you and Ron Mars, like, right there, friends there on the cover. And I basically grew up coming to believe that, okay, your artwork is what Kyle Rayner is supposed to look like. So <laughs> thank you for everything you did for this character and this franchise. Oh, it was it was a blast. It was a blast. I'll always have fond memories of it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to echo that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, these these two guys grew up reading you. I, I got in I got in late in the game. I uh, only started reading comics in the last five or six years or so. But you better believe I went back and picked up all the '90s stuff. So uh, it, it was it was really a pleasure talking to you, and it's it really easy to talk to you too. It was it was uh, a, a great. Great conversation, and, and we all enjoyed it very much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, great, great. Well, anytime you guys want to do it again, you know, just let me know. Uh, I, I love doing this thing. Daryl, um, where where can people go to, uh, I don't know, see your sketches, or maybe if they want to, you know, are, are, do you take commissions at all? Yeah, I, I do from time to time. I mean, I'm, I'm the moment, but, you know, I, I maintain a list um I have uh, exposed of my commission work on uh, comicartfans.com. Uh, uh, where else? I've got my on my uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, I've got like a little gallery on Twitter. Okay. Um, of course, you can see me in person. I, I do uh, the Mid Ohio Con, the Pittsburgh Comic Con, and a couple other uh, local shows here in Ohio. I'll span next year. I'd love to do Heroes. I, I hear that that's like that's a great do. So, uh, so yeah. Awesome. Well, well, it was. Thank you for taking the time out to talk with us. And uh, again, we enjoyed it very much. And also, yet again, thank you for all the work you did on Green Lantern. And you, you basically contributed to our fandom. And in these two guys' cases, you contributed to their childhood. So <laughs> great. <laughs> Well, it, was, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you very much, Daryl. Okay, wow. so. <laughs> so that was Daryl Banks. Yeah. Sweet. Oh, man. Oh, I was about to make a cocky statement, but I'll just let it slide. <laughs> what? No no. no, no, no. Go on. I'm pretty um, sure you already uh, mentioned fisting in the episode. You might as well say something else. <laughs> <laughs> It was a slip of the tongue. I did not mean to say that, nor did I intend to reference it, nor was I thinking of anything related to that. But, you know, I'm sure there'll be, uh, that, that clip, I'm sure, will be cut and edited into different things from here Staying on. Staying in, it's becoming a button, it's becoming a t-shirt. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Any, I was just about to say, I've done it again. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not about that, but that that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, oh man, yeah, Daryl Banks. I mean, like when when you when I was if I were just to come up with a list of like you know people who impacted my you know why I wanted to read comics and you know to keep 
keep buying and reading. I mean, his impact is like it's huge. I mean, like the the footprint that he left in you know in Green Lantern between the design of Parallax, which I love. I mean, like that was at issue fifty of Green Lantern with with Parallax on the cover. It was just like when I saw that for the first time, it's just like oh my god, this is awesome. Yeah, and then Kyle Rayner. I mean, you know, it was the art had so much to do with that. I mean, you know, Ron Mars. Like, I, I love the writing, too, but, like, that was, you know, definitely a series where the art played such a pivotal role. Yeah. Like, I'm still, like, like we've been talking, we've been touching on it off and on throughout the episode. I'm still, like, kind of, at least a little in awe of the fact that, that this character that they created, that was, again, just the, the mid-90s fill-in hero, has had such staying power. Like, they they reboot and relaunch the universe a couple times, and Kyle's still here. And his <laughs> history is basically the exact same. Like, what? <laughs> These guys knew what they were doing, and they did it great. Yeah. Um, what you like? And how super easy is it is to talk to them, too? Yeah. I mean, this is, this reminds me of when we talked to, uh, to you know, Phil Lamar, where you, know, you go into it thinking, well, I don't know what all to say, and then before you know it, you're talking for an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and and just to let the listeners know, I personally, because I didn't grow up with this series, I I didn't come up with any questions. I was just going to be facilitating and doing follow up questions. But you saw, you heard yourself. I mean, I I came up with the questions on the spot. It was just super easy to talk to him. Yeah, I wrote down like two things before the episode. <laughs> oh man, I'm looking at his uh, comic art fans. Yep, I've already. While we were talking, I was uh, going through his pictures and downloading them to my desktop, the ones I like, so I could keep in mind for future uh, commission requests. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a link to, we have to put a link to this in like both the show notes and the, uh, the thread. Too. Yeah. Um, what you call it? Uh, oh, and I have to you know mention that I I was given uh, some, some talking point ideas and whatnot by uh, Mark Marble, who, happy birthday, Mark. Um Happy birthday. <laughs> he's yes, a sir. huge fan of uh, of Daryl also. He's gotten a couple of commissions, like some really, really cool commissions. Um, so I figured it's like, okay, well, if we're going to talk to Daryl Banks, I'm like, I got to talk to Mark. So thank you, Mark. Um, yeah, I mean, like, oh, God, I don't even know what I would want to get as a commission. I mean, I know I want one, but... Oh man, you you really wouldn't go for a Kyle Rayner, really? You know, I wouldn't. I'm I'm going for a Jade. I can tell you that right now. Look, Kyle Rayner is is definitely one option, but I mean, you also got Parallax. Um, uh, true. I mean, like, and granted, she may be the Uncle Ben character, but I mean, I love Alex. Mm. You know. So, I mean, and so would it be, like, a picture of just Kyle? Would it be a picture of Parallax? Would it be, you know, Kyle with Alex um, or you know, or Jade? I mean, they're... they're Kyle really... and Alex shopping for a refrigerator. <laughs> and meeting Parallax at the food store? He could be the... <laughs> they turn the corner and Parallax is pushing a cart. It's awkward for everybody. Oh, man. got to try and find those... Uh... Those pages from the the, pre, the previous script. Oh, I don't know if 
I, I don't know if we've we've talked about it, but um, yeah, just to you know, you know, elaborate the the parallax you know story with uh, Hal Jordan was was absolutely not the way that it was originally solicited, um, and you I think I don't know if you can do it now, but like uh, for a while I, I, even I had like a what is it like an order form from. Uh, one of the um, mail order comic sites um, back in the the nineties, and like they would actually, you know, post like some of the solicits, um, and they they like solicited something that had nothing to do with Emerald Twilight. I mean, it was it might have been called Emerald Twilight, but it was a completely different uh, idea. Um, and even in the back issue magazine. I think they uh, they spent some time in uh, I think it was the green issue that they they talked about that also um, about like you know the stories that could have been but I've never heard that like another idea that they were kicking around I guess uh, Gerard Jones um, was uh, like fill in like multiple fill in type characters which I think would have been awesome I mean I love the Superman. You know the four Supermen coming in to take over for uh, when Superman died. So, like that's definitely all something that I, I would have gone for. All I could think of when you said that was like, like the like the Kyle Glomulus relationship, except back then and with a ring that's a person. Like that would be awesome. Like it could be his roommate or something. That would be so cool. <laughs> like have both of them. Keep them both. Yeah. Yeah. Or it, it 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 could even kind of be like uh, what, what Circle of Fire was, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Man. Oh, and you know, Daryl was was very modest about it. But if you look at you know his classic parallax design, you you can see the the Sinestro core design in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you you got to give credit to both artists, but at the same time, you know, it, it, if if he, you know, took took inspiration from Green Lantern costumes and lore to create Kyle's design and you know added in his own flavor, then he pays homage to the people he pulled from the same way. I'm sure Ethan Van Skyver, you know, is like, well, that original had a lot of elements in it that helped. Right. So I mean, absolutely, yeah, it, it, it it's obviously there. <laughs> Yeah, and how cool is it? Like the the Kyle logo represents the brightest day and the blackest night. Yeah, I've never heard that before. I had no idea. That was awesome. Yeah, I never even thought of it like that. Uh, but and the other thing that you know, I I never really thought about until he was talking about it. But you know, Kyle Rayner was. I mean, you know, regardless of uh, Guy Gardner and John Stewart. Kyle Rayner was hands down like the modern generation of Green Lantern at the time. Oh, yeah. And when you look at it, you look at the progression, you had Alan Scott, then Hal Jordan, then Kyle Rayner. Because Hal Jordan was kind of, he was still around, you know, very much so when when Guy and John were around. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny because you look at Alan Scott and he had that that very classic railroad lantern design. And then you had Hal Jordan who had the, you know, completely redesigned green lantern logo as we know it. And then Kyle came around and he got a completely new logo. Once again, it was like, 
it's almost like that's you know a, you know passing the baton from one generation to the next. Yeah. It's weird, like them in a line. It's like grandpa, dad, you. You know, it's a, it's very like Kyle's always called like the DC Spider or not the DC Spider, the DC Peter Parker. Right. And half the time, I think that's kind of taken a meant to take a shot at him, but it's completely accurate, and it's you know it's probably a good portion of why he's endured so long because people can relate to him and people like him. Yeah. You know what probably helps to keep that series as being something we respect is, and this was something <clears throat> maybe not completely unique to their dynamic, but the fact that, that Ron Mars and, and uh, Daryl Banks get along so well. That's something that really stuck out, stuck out to me about that interview is how often he dare, uh, at, he dropped Ron's name. It just it, it wasn't like, you know, he was talking about the writer and just, you know, mentioning him by name to give him credit. He was talking about him like a friend. And in, in that dynamic between the two and the way they work so well together really shows through in those comics. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Jeff Johns and, you know, Yvonne Hayes or Doug Monkey or whoever don't have that kind of dynamic. But it, it's very evident between, at least in that in that interview, that those two are close friends. Yeah, especially since they have, like, so much history now. I mean, I'll be interested. Like, you bring up modern-day creative teams. Like, I'd be very interested 10 years from now to hear how, you know, Doug Monkey talks about Jeff Johns or Jeff Johns talks about Ethan Van Scott or that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'm also very interested to go back and count how many times Kyle made himself armor or battle mechs <laughs> in his entire run. Yeah, you know, that's that was an interesting um, aspect to it to me, because, like, you know, he himself said, it's like, basically, he's the one that came up with all of Kyle's constructs. So... You know, Kyle Rayner, like, you know, the key to his his character is that he's an artist. And so the artistic mind of Kyle Rayner is Daryl Banks. He's, like, he's the one solely responsible behind Kyle's art. I think I always just sort of assumed it was like, like, like that he had some freedom, but there would be, like, most of the time it would be like, like, okay, panel three, Kyle Rayner, bust down the door with a giant fire truck or something. But, like, this, this makes it sound like the, the artist direction was more like, alright, panel three, Kyle Rare busts down the door. Right. And then he just fills it in with whatever. Right. And that is really, that's really cool. That kind of, kind of, I don't know, it gives it a, more, a much more creative vibe than I thought it had. Well, and I thought it was pretty damn with the floor. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, like, the the freedom, you know, to be able to come up with any construct, like, it's, I mean, oh, man, it, it, it definitely shows why, you know, why it, it, it meshed so well, because it's like you had somebody who, who really loved coming up with the constructs, coming up with the constructs, you know, and, and that, that's how it was reflected with Kyle. And that kind of freedom would make, some artists choke under pressure. Like, if you can do anything, you start to get hampered by by too many possibilities, you know? But I guess I maybe it was the fact that he was on for the long haul. That it's like, okay, whatever, I can do whatever now and save all the other ideas 
for next time because they'll get used. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of fun. That was. Let's call them back next week. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Very cool. Are we done? I think we're done. Chad. We don't need to do anything else. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, uh, Chad. You mentioned you made a point of bringing up Circle of Fire before. Do you want to tell people about the uh, blog thing? Oh, uh, actually, Jim brought up Circle of Fire, but uh, yeah, for sure. I, since I posted it on the forum, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, just as as a note, there is a as a there's a blog out there. Uh, there's multiple Green Lantern related blog out there, um, but one of the ones that's out there is called the Indigo Tribe, and the Indigo Tribe uh, does primarily a um, you know a, co- a comic uh, review blog uh, specifically related to Green Lantern both the new stuff and occasionally you know when there's a, a lag in time and he wants to put up a new entry you know some of the older stuff but uh, he's teamed up with a lot of other blogs uh, comic related blogs and uh, what they're doing is they're covering the circle of fire storyline and while he hold, I can't remember the guy's name that does uh, Indigo Tribe, but while he's doing the actual Circle of Fire main storyline, the you know the team up uh, issues are going to be handled by some of the other uh, people. And I found out uh, through this through since I'm a fan of the the Firestorm fan uh, uh, place uh, uh, blog rather um, that. Firestorm fan, which is the, the irredeemable shag. It's it's he's going to handle the Green Lantern and Firestorm uh, team up. That actually that review's already out. Um, Green Lantern and Power Girl is going to be handled by the Fortress of Bailey Tude. Um, Green Lantern and the Atom is uh, going to be headed up by the Idol Head of Diablo, I believe. And, uh, the Green Lantern and Adam, Adam Strange uh, team up is going to be handled by the Speed Force blog. Because um, if you just if you're curious on that particular one, that involves a Green Lantern in which uh, is basically a, a relative, a distant uh, relative of uh, both Wally West and uh, Kyle Rayner. So it's a, it's it's just a team up and a collaboration of bloggers, and and a lot of the comic bloggers do this uh, occasionally from time to time, and. They, they have a real good working relationship together, and it always amounts to something cool, regardless of what the topic is. It's always really cool to see. Um, I, the, I, the last one I remember, they did a a lot of uh, comic blogs did a, an April Fool's joke in which they com- completely revamped their entire site to look like it was dedicated to something else. Like, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Firestorm Fan became a Buona Beast blog. So, <laughs> uh. so, so, so. It's always fun when they when they do these team up blog events. So it's 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 at the very least going to be entertaining and informative. So definitely check it out. So head over to Indigo Tribe dot WordPress, I believe, is the, is the link. So um, yeah, Indigo Tribe dot WordPress dot com, and then from there you'll be able to find the Circle of Fire entries, and he'll put links to you know the the other blogs, uh, the other bloggers uh, posts and. Uh, you can visit their their blogs and comment on their entries and into the event. So it's really cool. Brilliant concept. It's really just like an absolutely brilliant concept to have the the crossover like that. And it lends itself so naturally to the story too. Yeah. Yep. And then it's different perspectives, uh, and these individual people, you know, have have their 
their uh, individual specific knowledge uh, of of the character that they have. So it's 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 it always is going to lead to something interesting. Okie doke. Um, we'll uh, close this up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, if you want to email us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail dot com, or we have our own individual emails: Jim, Dan, Chad, Jason, or James at lanterncast.com. Uh, that's also our website, lanterncast.com. You can go there, check out our forums, Facebook page. I got links to everything. The Twitter, galleries, you name it. All the episodes are on there, too. Um, uh, yeah, we got the forums. You can go on iTunes and uh, download all our episodes there. Subscribe to us. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. And we have a... Uh, what do you call it? What's that? Voicemail? Yeah, voicemail. Which <laughs> is 708-LANTERN. Um, I think that's about it. Yeah. This, also, this episode is also a milestone for us because I'm on my phone this time and I'm not in a cold parking lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's great, Dan. That's great. <laughs> uh, don't take this away from me. <laughs> We're calling you on your phone, yet you're at home. Yeah. That's because Comcast like, is evil. Blame Comcast. <laughs> yeah. I blame Dan. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, okay, well... Alright, good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the only thing that I wanted to tease was that uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up, like, really big, that we can't talk about at all. But we really have a lot of big things planned. This is true. We do. I wrote, I made a list the other day. I'm like, God damn it, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've we've really uh, cracked down and you know started making a list of the topics we're going to cover. And I don't, I mean, aside from covering the uh, the monthly books, there's not really any small thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you call it? Uh, even besides like the the topics that we have planned, I mean, like there's other stuff going on. I mean, I'll fill you guys in after the episode's over. Some, some big stuff. It's fun. Yeah, and you know, it, it still continues to be fun. This this one episode. I mean, I've said it again and again. This was a lot of fun. So, uh, what you call it? Um, if you guys have uh, any comments on, uh, you know, the interview, or or even if uh, you know any the impact that Daryl had, you know, on your your comic reading, because I know that there's definitely a bunch of uh, listeners out there. Who are in the same boat as me and Dan, and you know, was were reading, you know, Kyle as he came out. So, you know, I'd love to hear uh, some of your reactions to that. So, seven zero eight Lantern, send us in voicemails. We'll uh, we'll definitely play them. I promise. We've been getting a lot better with that, and I promise we will play them as they come in. If they come in in German, they will get bumped up to the top. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night.